Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a percussionist who calls himself a backpack jazz producer, Casa Overall. Casa, what's up? What's happening? Thanks for ha- coming. Glad to have you on the show. Could you? Thanks for having me, man. Could you introduce yourself to the people? Yeah, my name is Casa Overall. Uh, that's actually my government name, Casa Overall. My parents gave me that name, and uh, the first name is an Amharic name, comes from Ethiopia, and the last name is a slave name that originates in London. Overall, was the overseer of the castle that would look over the whole castle to make sure nobody was breaking in. So that's where my name comes from. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so where were you born? Seattle, Washington. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to London? Yeah, I'm signed to London. Actually, my label Brownswood is based in London, and. Uh, I've been to London quite a few times touring with, with musicians. I uh, performed one time with my own band at um, Pizza Express in London during the London Jazz Festival. So, yeah, shout out to London for show. <laughs> All right, man. So where have you studied? Where have you trained? Well, there's there's like the short story, the long story, the mid-length. Whichever one um, you feel more comfortable giving. Well, I'll say this. Um, I started out in a a musical household, you know, like my brother, who's four years older than me. He got a drum set when I was born. Right. So when he was four, he started playing drums. And, you know, when you're when you're a little brother, it's basically you just want to be your big brother. You know, so I really got into the drums just trying to play like my brother. You know what I mean? And um. Eventually, I really got into it and started taking lessons in middle school. And by the time I finished high school, I decided that um, I wanted to go to music school and I wanted to become a musician. And that was like, that was that. You know what I mean? And um, so then I went to uh, Oberlin Conservatory of Music and studied with Billy Hart. That was my uh, main drum teacher. And I also got to rub elbows and study with Marcus Belgrave, Gary Bartz. Robin Eubanks, uh, Wendell Logan, who is an incredible, incredible uh, black composer, arranger, and uh, many other cats, you know. So that's my academia. That's your academia. Okay, where are you currently based right now, then? Well, um, when when the, when the world's like normal, uh, usually I'm living in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That being said. Um, I made it back to Seattle a few weeks ago before everything got really intense with the Rona and all that. And uh, so now I'm I'm in Seattle for the time being. And um, it's a pretty good place to be currently because my family's here. My girlfriend's here. Her family lives here. So it's like this is kind of a good place to be right now. Okay, I could be that. Didn't they have an outbreak over there, though? You said what? Didn't they have an outbreak over there, too? They did, but it's actually kind of subsiding, and New York is now the 
the worst spot in the U.S. Oh. And uh, but then even beyond that, it's like like I think like I think like big picture, you know. So let's say let's say we're locked in our cribs for like months and months, you know. For me, it's good to be close to to family and infrastructure. Yeah, you feel more comfortable there, obviously. Me and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing New York is like that. me in an apartment, ordering delivery. You know, can't take the train. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I'm going for walks and sitting at the water and thinking about life. You know what I mean? So that's that's the vibes over here. You know what I mean? That's good. That's good. Fortunately. Okay. Yeah, so we get started on some of the other questions, man. All right, so hey, man, have at it. You know what I mean. Wherever you want to go. <laughs> so, you've been in the academic world, in the real world. What have you learned in both? Hmm. Well, I've learned what I've. There's one thing I've learned from both of them. It's the same, which is. Hard work pays off and and work hard. No excuses. Um, and what I mean by that is I think uh, when when you bring up academia in the real world and you think of it as a almost a polarity of sorts, it's like the reality is everything is an opportunity. Um, like when I was at Oberlin, there was a bunch of stuff I didn't want to do. You know, I wanted to practice drums. I wanted to quit and go on tour. You know what I mean? I wanted, it was, and, and, the, and the academics was like, yo, this is not the vibe. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are y'all trying to do to me? You know, but looking back at it now, I've been out of school for many years and looking back at it now, going to school, you kind of learn how to learn. And the best way to learn how to learn is by learning things you don't want to learn. You know what I mean? So a lot of things I learned at school, I thought were like stupid, but later helped me out. You know, whether that was like theory or like I said, just learning how to learn. But I wish I had paid attention more, to be honest. I wish I had done all the stuff I thought was stupid because I'm about to have to learn that now in the real, real world in order to expand my my career you know what i mean like i want to be an arranger i want to be more of a composer orchestrator you know what i mean and yeah but so, what stopped you from okay why did you actually want to go on tour so badly because i could like the thing was when i when i uh finished at oberlin i mean at, at garfield high school when i finished high school when i was finishing high school i had already been um gigging as a professional jazz drummer in Seattle for years. Oh, since like middle school. And I even thought about just going to New York, you know what I mean? And um, I applied to a bunch of schools in New York and I applied to Oberlin because my mom was like, you know, Oberlin, you, you know, <laughs> like okay. we have an uncle that taught there or something, you know, and I ended up going to Oberlin and the idea was, well, let me give myself a couple of years to get it together before I moved to New York. But I was ready to go, you know, like, or I thought I was ready to go. And um, I actually, after uh, my first year at Oberlin, um, I went to this this uh, 
summer workshop called uh, Jazz at Snowmass. It was like a Lincoln Center thing, and they had all these teachers, uh, Wallace Roney, Christian McBride, Benny Green, Russell Malone, um, Lewis Nash, bunch of heavy hitters. And that's when I met Wallace Roney, and he really liked my drumming. And he wanted me to just join his band and start touring. You know, it's like I was thinking about dropping out of school and just moving to New York and starting playing. And uh, part of the reason I bring that up is Wallace Roney actually passed yesterday from uh, Corona. Co- Corona, you know. And uh, but he was actually one of the main reasons I moved to New York in the beginning was like I'm gonna move to New York and play with Wallace and da 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 da. And uh, so once I started getting attention from like well-known professional you know legends in the making people connected to the lineage of of the music i started thinking oberlin was a joke you know what i mean i get you so how did you see jazz world when you were a student versus now um i just thought i thought it was like I thought it was half of who I was. Um, you know, I was making I was making beats in my dorm room <clears throat> instead of the classroom. You know, and uh, I was always trying to mix things together and figure out ways to incorporate different aspects of my creativity. But there wasn't a lot of support. But the more I work, the more more I work at this stuff. You know, I think. Um, led to change the word from support to there was maybe more of a lack of understanding because maybe people didn't understand that it wasn't like, yo, I'm trying to go be a pop star. You know, that wasn't really the goal. Not to say that if I had a big hit like Bruno Mars, I wouldn't have went with it. But, that you know, the thing was that the way I was studying all the other producers and making beats and chopping samples and, and making drum loops and all that kind of stuff. It was with the same intensity and craftsmanship as the way I studied drums and, and jazz music. So I was always like, yo, how do we bring this all together? But people were like, nah, like I don't get it. And to be honest, it's still difficult. Like when I, when I have my own band and then I also play um, electronics and rap and DJ and other people's bands. And it's still difficult to figure out how to communicate with the instrumentalists because they don't, they don't totally understand the, the, the position that the DJ is playing. So it's kind of like, they're just playing music as usual. And I'm kind of just like this little sound effect on the side. And I'm like, nah, like, I'm inside the changes. Like, listen to me. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. That's something I noticed from your album. That's just one thing that stood out. Yeah. And that's the thing. When it's my own album, it's almost like when I made my own album, it was almost like to show people, like, look, this is what I've been trying to do with Cats. But it's always, like, difficult because it's just, like, different languages, you know? It's like people speak different languages, it's hard to explain like, yo, you got to turn that that bass drum sample needs to hit hard. If it don't hit hard, then I might as well not even use it because it's going to sound weird. You know what I mean? It's like a, a acoustic bass 
not being amplified and and you have like electric guitar on stage people will be like people will throw a fit like yo turn the bass up we can't hear the acoustic bass you know because people understand it as a concept you know but it's so new the there's there's certain like there's certain approaches that I'm using are so new that people don't even get it they're like well, they got my backing track sounding like explain a... Explain um, that to people, because I've seen you perform live. I'm familiar with your work. Some of the people mm-hmm. listening might not know. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, say I'm on stage, or I have a drum set, I have an SPD or something controlling a laptop, and there's certain loops that are almost like a backing track, or, or even more so like a DJ, like at a dance party type DJ, you know, like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it needs to hit hard right there. But the sound man, you're not on the same page with the sound man. So for some reason, he got that that sound set as if it was like a um, auxiliary percussion shaker instrument or something. So then you drop the loop in, it's like, and it's like, yo, we can't get down to that. You know what I mean? And it's so. It's just it's just a little more work, you know. It's good to have your own sound, man. Um, I currently have a amazing like co-producer, keyboardist, drum uh, drummer, DJ. His name's Paul Wilson, and um, he works on all my albums. So he's in the band. So having him there, he can talk to the the sound man. And be like, yo, raise the frequency up to blah blah blah. Or, Make sure you put the kick in the subs and these kind of things, you know, different language stuff, you know. I got that, man. Okay, that's deep. So, mm-hmm. what is uh, what would you tell someone, or what advice would you tell someone going into music? Hmm. I don't know if I really. You going? Do you mean by going into music? You mean like playing music as a five year old, or like? Moving to New York to no, get a gig. To New York, like, going to do the whole thing. <laughs> listen to your listen to your heart. You know what I mean. Start with the heart, intuition. Like I don't, I don't want to really. Sometimes advice can be hurtful. You know, um, like I guess what I'm saying is like find it through play. Like find it through the joy and and all of that. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, have fun, find the joy, fall in love, all of that. And then work as hard as you possibly can and and learn a tradition and learn as much as you can. But at the same time, protect that love and the heart vibe. It's like it's like a duality of two things that you have to always keep in mind. One Am I happy? Do I love this? Is this joyous? Is this like, is this serving a purpose deeper than just some kind of goal, like financial goal or whatever, whatever? And then go Kobe Bryant with it and work because the reality is we're living in a time where it's like mediocre ain't gonna cut it. You know, it's like, it's like only the best are going to even get a shot, you know, and uh, that's it didn't always be like that. You know, like think back in the day, it's like if you was good, you you did the work, you did, you were good enough, you could boom, you could move somewhere, you could work. Bomb. 
But now it's like you got to be really good just to get a shot. So work hard, but don't fall out of love. And if you fall out of love, it's time to give up. Take some time. Well, no, no, no. You don't have to give up. You may be, but there was a time I lived in New York for two years and then I fell out of love and I moved back to Seattle for like six months. And I was like, man, I didn't come here to not be happy and like not enjoy playing the music. And so I, uh, I moved home and I wouldn't play no gigs with nobody back home. I was just chilling, reading my deep books, going for walks. You know what I mean? Like, what's it all mean? You know? <laughs> and then, uh, uh, I got a call from Jerry Allen, rest in peace, to go play at the Village Vanguard. And the Village Vanguard, if anybody doesn't know, is like the the historic jazz club to play at. You know, we talking John Coltrane. Everybody played there. And so I was I had to look in the mirror and say, look, man, you're questioning if you can do this. But you're getting called to play on the biggest stage for the culture. Are you gonna man up? Are you gonna are you gonna human up and go do it? Or are you gonna sit here and pout and say, I'm not I'm not happy? So it was like that kind of spark re sparked me and I was like, It's time to get back in the game. And so I can't got back in the game and you know what I mean? No, I got you. Mm-hmm. So what is something people seem to misunderstand about the music? scene or the music world hmm Mm, something that people misunderstand I think maybe something that people misunderstand is that a lot of people think that success means the best and that may be somewhat contradictory contradictory to my last statement which is like you gotta be the best to even get a shot but there's another side of that which is like um, sometimes the thing that's most marketable and the, the thing that's most like commerce friendly is often like not the heaviest thing you know and that's not to say that that's not to say the most successful artists are not heavy. I think, I think they are. I think, you know, most of the cats putting out music today, I'm like in love with a lot of the music that's happening. But I'm trying to say that like some of the best, best, best musicians we have walking this planet can't get a gig because they're too, they're too, they're too good for your average listener to know they're good. There's this saxophone player in New York. He plays at all the sessions. I'm not going to name his name, but if you know, you know. He showed up in New York, and every time he soloed, it almost sounded like noise. You know what I mean? Like Lake Coltrane, like all the way outside. You know what I mean? It just sounded crazy. And... And people would damn near be booing him. Like he would start playing and the rest of the band would start like vibing him out and stuff. But to me, he was the best musician. He sounded, it was like the highest level of saxophone playing. It was incredible. 
but it was so far out, people couldn't hear the poetry in it because it's like if if uh let's say you, <laughs> let's say you had a rap song, right? And it's like it's like three of the best most well-known rappers and then this fourth rapper and he's like incredible but he's speaking in this language of like it's like socrates levels of metaphor so like nobody can understand it they're like i don't know what he said like it sounded cool but i really don't know if he's good or not good you know what i'm saying but at the same time you're there to perform for the people the general audience yes however in a place for showcasing showboating it's not though that's the thing like what are we talking about are we talking about entertainment or are we talking about art because when it comes to entertainment it's not about um the highest level or the the most um the most transformative experience and and this and you're right in a sense you're you're totally right but it brings us to another conversation, which is we, we have this music, this jazz music that comes from um, a black, black American experience. Right. That's where it's, it comes from. But it's it's an art form like it's a, a it's like a high art. Right. But it's it's kind of stuck in this entertainment place. It's stuck in the club. Is stuck in the bar. So you actually can't go. A lot of artists can't go as far as they would go because they know they got to entertain. You see what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is that the entertainment aspect of the art form is sometimes limiting to how far we really could be going if if it was like the right space for it. You see what I'm saying? I get you. Now. I get you. Yeah. Okay. So, what is something you have noticed about the music scene recently? Um, I think the music scene right now is in a total like, maybe this is like, you could say this about the human scene in general. But I think right now it's kind of like on its head. It's kind of like in a huge like reconfiguration period you know like a lot of people that used to be like the coolest artists are now trying to like figure out how to fit in the new environment and there's also like a lot of new sounds and new new experiments i would like to say i'm one of those now i agree that that. you're one of them yeah i would like to say that there's a lot of new kind of like, I didn't know I could do that kind of thoughts happening. You know, like a lot of people, some of the stuff I do is like, it's not like nobody else had the thought to do some of the things I did, but they were like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> and I'm like, as soon as I have one of those thoughts, like maybe I can't do that. That's usually like, you need to go do that. You know what I mean? That's usually like my cue to go do it, you know, but like, a lot of people have been succeeding in certain boxes and then like the box goes away and they're like, but I'm so used to being in this box. I was good in this box. Like 
you take the box away and I'm looking naked, you know, and but everybody's like, there's no boxes. You could do what you want. And you're, and so if you stay in the box by choice, you're looking a little tame. It's like, I thought you was, I thought you was wild. It turns out you domesticated, you know what I'm saying? So. Okay. So the older <laughs> tier people or. You said what? The old soul jazz lovers, I should say that. Old what soul. do they think of your stuff? They love it. They truly do because the thing, I mean, that's not to say, you know, I did, I did this like downbeat hot box thing, you know, and I got like a couple twos and a couple four and a halves, you know, and you know, some cats was hating, but that's okay. Like uh, art is supposed to be bifurcating. Like when you make something, it's supposed to half the people should love it and half the people should hate it. That's how you know you're making something with it as a point. But that being said, a lot of the real OGs that have checked me out, they come up and say, yo, I hear it. I hear I hear that real thing that um, cats have been trying to do since way back in the day. I hear it in your music. And I hear it in your music more than some of the quote unquote, like straight ahead stuff that's happening right now. Like I hear y'all pushing the boundary and pushing the listener and challenging the listener. So I think that, you know, most of the cats, um, once they really check it out, they dig it. You know, maybe from a distance they might say, hmm, sound a little tame. But, but you know, once they get into it and they say, oh, I see what you're doing. Keep doing that because we need you. Okay. We need you to bring that spotlight back home, you know, because I feel like I represent the musicians that um, don't get that mainstream edge. You know, I represent the musicians that don't fit into the thing that's popping. And so the more I do what I do, the more I can like shine the light onto the other, the others, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So what's, if you could turn back time, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Okay. Turn back time. 18 year old self. Whew, that's crazy. You don't know? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Like, when I was uh, 19, when I was 19 years old, I had a, I had a, what you call a manic episode. You know what I mean? Like, I had, I had like all sorts of like, you know, crazy stuff happen in my life a year later. You feel me? And and when I was 18, I could see the seeds of like, man, uncertainty. But I don't know what I would have said, you know, just maybe like stay calm. <laughs> no, 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 that's good. Uh, you know, stay calm. <laughs> that's a different Ride the wave, bro. Breathe deep. But I got you. <laughs> Almost, what'd you say? That's a different conversation altogether, I guess, right? It's a whole nother conversation. But but I guess what I'm really trying to say is um, when I look back on those times, I don't. I think of them as like they needed to happen type of things. Like I don't think of them as like, mm, I could have avoided that and life would have been easier. It's more like I had to go through certain stuff in order to um, look at the world how I look at it. You know what I mean? And so... But 
when I think back to being 18, 19, 20, 21, 24, I think of, I think of me taking the moment so seriously, you know, I think of it like, man, this is life or death, like every little decision, da, 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 da. And I'm looking back on it now and I'm like, man, all of that was scrimmage, you know, all of that was training ground. I didn't realize that, you know, it's not that big a deal. Stay calm and like keep working, whatever you do. I guess one thing I would have told myself, and it's something I probably did tell myself, whatever you do, keep working on your craft. You know what I mean? When it's going good, keep shedding. When it's going bad, write about it. Keep shedding. When it's, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's a marathon. You uh, know? That's another throwback to somebody's unfortunate death a year ago. Nipsey. Yep. Exactly. It truly is a marathon, man. And, uh, yeah. Well, if you could remove all the barriers and have and constraints and have your ideal perfect project what would uh-huh. it be and who would be on it <laughs> i just made it <laughs> you just made it oh come on drake I'm wasn't serious. on it huh drake wasn't on it i don't want drake on it oh, okay. i mean <laughs> i mean the thing is like the thing is like this drake Drake is doing what Drake's doing. Drake don't need to be on my joint. <laughs> it's like, like for something to be good, it has to be a win-win for for both parties, you know. And it might would it would be I would love a Drake verse, but if you notice, there wasn't no other rappers on my album. You know what I mean? Nobody else rapped, and uh, that was by design. It wasn't like an ego thing, but it was kind of like it's like a a, a movie or a play. People play different characters you know what I mean so it was like I don't know I mean I think that even though Drake wasn't on it he influenced my music um Kendrick's influenced my music Yeezy influenced my music and so all of those cats are on it through me you know what I mean and it's like it's yeah for me I don't know I feel like to be honest I feel like I got so many blessings on that last album. So many like situations. It just we got lucky and it worked. And uh, I didn't I didn't hold back, man. And then the next the next one is gonna be crazy too. I'm working on something else right now. That's like I hope I hope this works. All right, man. I'm looking forward towards that one. And yeah. what's the best compliment you ever received? <laughs> Let me think. I can think of something really good. Let me see here. The best compliment I ever received. Well, you know, this probably ain't the best, but this is the one that comes in my mind right now. Um, maybe two, three years ago, I played at the Detroit Jazz Festival. I was playing with Theo Croker. I was. I was a side man playing drums in Theo's band, right? Theo's nasty. You like Theo? Uh, yeah, he's nasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we go way back. We've been rocking for like 15 years or something. But um, so check this out. I'm in Detroit. We played our gig. Gig was cool, but then we had a um, 
there's like a jam session at the end of the night and it's everybody from the festivals hanging and it's kind of orchestrated so they're like we're gonna have theo and a couple of theo's cats come up there and we're gonna have some of kamasi's cats kamasi was there and everybody was there and man i got up there i don't know it was just a certain period in my life man but i got up there and let them have it you know what i mean like I went all the way out and uh, and I just remember feeling like this spiritual, like I felt like I had all the ancestors on my back. You know what I mean? I felt like Blakey was with me and like Jimi Hendrix was there. It just was like everybody was with me. It was like, yo. And uh, I came off stage and this older black dude came up to me and it was like he was thinking the same thing I was thinking because he was like, yo, man. You had all the spirits with you. He's like, I felt it. You had them all rocking with you and everybody was with you in harmony. And it was like, for some reason, I knew what he was talking about because I was feeling the same way. You know what I mean? So that was a pretty good compliment. All right, man. That's cool. Now, before you go, we we always like to give a shout out and show respects to the artists that came before us. So I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you an instrument, two artists, choose one. And if you wish, tell us why. <laughs> all right well that, is that respect what about the disrespects you, you know what? do you man do you want a hard one or do you want an easy one you want i want the hardest ones yeah sure. go ahead let's get it okay he said okay okay i'll give you a hard one man yeah i want the give me a few i want to do this for a while I, i'm i'm quarantined man i need to, <laughs> I need to okay with modern musicians Whatever, let's go. Let's do it all. Okay. Winton Marcellus or Dave Douglas? Oh, that's funny. I was, when you said Winton Marcellus, I was already ready to say whoever the other cat was going to be, you know, because I thought you were going to say, like, Winton Marcellus, Roy Hargrove, or this or that, you know. But actually, I'm going to go with Winton, and that's nothing against Dave Douglas. I think Dave is dope. But I, I'm not really, I'm not, I haven't checked them out like that, like that. And then on top of that, some of my favorite uh, uh, trumpet players, you know, we'll bring up Winton because fools love to hate on Winton, you know, because of his like Lincoln Center connection and kind of conservative tradi- traditionalism. And, you know, people get on him for this and that. Um, but whenever I bring him up to trumpet players, they're like, yo. Wynton Marcellus is one of the best trumpet players. And they just just get serious and they're like, look, he's good at the trumpet. Trust me. (laughs) So not knocking that. I'm going to go with Wynton. Okay, no problem. On sax, Kenny Garrett or J.D. Allen? (laughs) Oh, these are good, bro. These are good. This is telling me a lot about you, too. Uh, that's funny. Again, I was all ready to go with Kenny Garrett because we got the same birthday. Oh. And then Kenny, both October 9th, plus Yusef Latif and John Lennon. So that's my October 9th squad. But I did a gig with J.D. Allen two week, weeks ago, and he sounded like God. So like God. <laughs> I'm going with J.D. <laughs> he sounded like God. Maybe he didn't sound like God. He sounded like God's son, but he sounded godly man he sounded like 
he was telling a story and it was a humble story of the truth you know what i mean like um and you know it's not like i've always heard jd allen have a voice like a, a real voice but he's an unsung hero and i think he's got a lot to bring so i'm going with jd shout out jd allen okay okay trombone skip no <laughs> No, no, no. You know what I was thinking? How, you know, I'm, I, joking, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I personally don't want to make this one. You know, I don't want to make these two mad, so I'll give you a different Let's one. Let's do it. No, no. We got to do it now. Come on. Trombone Shorty or Ray Anderson? Or who? Ray Anderson. Uh, I'm going to go with Trombone Shorty because he's like a, uh, he's a, uh, He's so funny, like he played trumpet. <laughs> he did play trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> How'd he do that? You know what I mean? I mean, I know he plays trombone, but every time I see him, he got a trumpet. And he also flipped. He was one of the first to kind of flip that, like, jazz musician. Wait a minute. I'm a star, like, turned up. I might be signed to Cash Money Records. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go with trombone, Shorty. Okay. Peace. Linda o. Or Esperanza. Mm. Oh, yes. yo, you're you're talking about all my peoples, man. Yeah, I um, said, how hard do you want me to make this for you? Nah, it's all good. You know, it's, it's you know, I just want to tell, I want to tell all the people that don't get picked today. You know what I mean? If you're hearing this, you know, I love you. It's nothing personal. We're just talking about. You know where we at right now tomorrow it might be different you know what i mean this is just today like someday i get a cortado with oat milk someday i get a shot of espresso someday i don't even drink coffee you know what i mean so there's always tomorrow you know what i mean so don't trip but that being said i'm gonna go with esperanza okay. and it's not and it's not i think linda O. And, and if it was like a different type of, if it was a specific kind of like judgment, it'd be different. It would be Linda for certain stuff. But I'm thinking about different types of ways these artists have like impacted the um, the music scene. And I think the way Esperanza flipped it, she was help. She helped kind of flip the scene. Like everybody's talking about new jazz and this and that and mixing this and that. And she was. She was a pioneer of sorts, and I just re remixed one of her songs, so I wanted to let me um, clear it and put it on the album. <laughs> so this is my way of sweet talking her. But Linda O is incredible bassist, one of my favorite. Okay, piano. Mark Carey or Jason Moran? Mm, those are both my homies too. Um, I'm gonna go with Jason today. Uh, I think that I've been studying his moves as a as an artist. You know, not only it's like when you ask me these questions, you say piano or bass and da da da. But I'm thinking of these people as everything they do, and uh, both of them bring stuff to the table. Mark Carey is also an amazing producer, and he. He is actually one of the people that knows how to incorporate electronics and acoustics in a way that's amazing. And I look up to him. 
Um, but Jason recently, I've been kind of studying the way he he adds to the music, um, non-musical elements to bring more attention to what is the purpose of the music. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm going with Jason right today. You know what I mean? Okay. And on drums. Mm. Eric Hardman. Or Jonathan mm. Blake. Or Jonathan Blake? Yes. Did, what did you say, Eric or Jonathan? Yes. <laughs> this is hilarious. Man. Yo, these are like people that I be hanging with, man. <laughs> oh, that's hard. And not only that, like these are people I, I've, I've seen both of these cats in the past couple months. And it's always love. This is one that I probably want to say tie because... It's all for the same reasons. They like, they're, they're, those are two of the most positive people. When I see them out, they like, yo, Cos, what's good? Like, how you doing? You know, like, it's always like love and support. And um, they're also great musicians. I'm gonna go ahead with, I'm getting my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my one tie for that one. Okay, no problem, man. <laughs> well. <laughs> Can you let everyone know where to find your stuff, your website, your social media, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Instagram at Casa Overall, K-A-S-S-A-O-V-E-R-A-L-L. Um, that's my most consistent platform. And then I'm also uploading videos weekly on YouTube at Casa Overall on YouTube. The website is also CasaOverall.com. Bandcamp, you can get vinyl, bandcamp.casaoverall.com, Spotify, Casa Overall, everything's Casa Overall. But holla at me on the gram, check me out on YouTube. All right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this is, okay, everyone, this is Leander Young from Improv Exchange. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. Peace out, y'all. We love, love, love. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.